Hello, this is Hope, and you're listening to Covert Castaway. Welcome to my weekly diary of what I learn and how I cope with transitioning to life as a liveaboard cruiser. About two weeks before our move-out date, my husband got inspired with an idea that would upend all of my well-calculated moving plans. Okay, but why not? We're living in chaos, and agility is a critical trait while cruising anyway, right? So bring it on. Welcome to Covert Castaway. Today, I'll share how my husband's big idea meant I would miss moving day, and how I spent Mother's Day alone stranded on an island. So there we were. Surrounded by boxes and random misfit objects co-mingling in a strange purgatory of our living space. Not good enough for donations, not trashy enough for the dump. I had a week before my pre-moving trip. As I mentioned in the last episode, I had to pack, leave for two weeks, then move after I returned. I had a previous date with 59 North to do a passage from Key West to Bermuda, and in the midst of a move after being in the house for 20 years, I was scrambling to find my headlamp and a summer sleeping bag. It had vanished in all the packing. It was then my husband decides to sit me down with a big idea. He wanted us to go to Europe for two weeks, leaving two days after I get back from my passage, the same exact time we were supposed to be moving. He explained that he wanted to pull the moving date up a week, move while I'm gone on my sailing trip, so all I have to do is repack my bag from our new place, catch up on all the work stuff I would be behind on after two weeks being gone, and then figure out how to work from Europe while we are there. (sighs) So just let that sink in for a minute. I'll wait. My head nearly exploded. Just like I'm not a crier until I am, I also don't consider myself to be high-maintenance. Extra transition time isn't something I need. Honestly, I love the spontaneity of a last-minute weekend getaway or a midweek trip to the movies just as much as the next person. And anyone who knows me, I'm not one to let grass grow under my feet if there's a good idea and some action and adventure. But seriously. What happened was we belonged to this closed group on Facebook, which my husband is addicted to, by the way. Well, me too, actually. It's a group for people who own the boat we're planning to get. We both completely geek out on how they've outfitted their boats over the last two years since they got them. And every Friday night, you can witness us both sitting silent side by side on the couch with our faces lit up from the glare of our phones as we gaze lovingly at the built-in cabinets and upgraded wenches. The high drama in our lives is living vicariously through a system malfunction or a solar install gone bad all through this group. As it happened, three of the boats were planning to be in Italy at the same time, and a few other owners were planning to descend to tour the boats and interrogate the owners for hours on end about how they rewired electrical or whether AC was worth it or not. My husband's big idea was to go down there, do the meetup, and that would help us decide what options we needed to have on the boat before our impending order deadline, which was due in just a couple weeks after the move. I will have a separate podcast about this option selection adventure. He thought if we go down there, we might be able to understand what we really did or didn't need so we could save months of researching and making expensive mistakes. The logic is sound, but the timing was freaking horrible. All my objections didn't temper his enthusiasm, like at all. Two days went by. He had flights picked out and logistics sorted, 
and I just had to surrender. I was just beaten down by that point and totally distracted by the idea of facing 1,300 nautical miles offshore on a watch schedule in just days. I handed him my frequent flyer information, and off he went like a kid in a candy store. I have like half a million miles saved up for work, so why not? Somewhere in there, I was able to measure and then go over to the new condo to lay down furniture positioning marks where various chairs, couches, and beds and dressers needed to go on the floor. The thought of my husband and the movers in a hurry playing furniture Tetris gave me an ulcer, so I man-proofed the moving plan with blue tape and a Sharpie, a girl's best friend. I took my stepdaughter to put her in charge of things if they went sideways and just left it all in her hands. She's such a gentle creature with a warm soul, calm nature, and the biggest blue eyes you've ever seen. But I wanted to shake her by the shoulders and shout at her like an old football coach to get her badass on so she could take on this huge responsibility. I listened to my better judgment who told me not to, which was wise. I spent a couple days prior to my sailing trip on a quick business trip back east and returned to swap my Tumi for my Heli Hansen bag that was stuffed. I was told only to take a 70-liter bag, which fills up fast when you have to put everything in it. Fowleys, boots, sleeping bag, toiletries, clothes, and shoes. I was flying to Key West. I would arrive on a red eye and have a full day before meeting the 59 crew at their new boat, Ice Bear, a Swan 59, which would be at the docks. Again, all this is going to be in a separate podcast, so I'll try to stop there. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, my husband had to pack up the rest of his stuff, his daughter's stuff, and all the kitchen by himself. It sure sounds easy enough, but let me just explain my husband's philosophy on time management. In his world, time exists only in theory. He typically does things at the last minute because he's overly optimistic about how much he can get done in a certain amount of time, which would really be fine if he were more of a fly-by-the-seat-of-a-pants kind of a guy, but he's not. In addition to having no respect for time, he also is meticulous, which is just a deadly combination of drive-a-wife-crazy. When we have to be somewhere, I'll be ready and putting my phone in my purse, walking to the garage, and he'll yell from the bathroom that he's almost ready as he steps in the shower and then finds a sudden inspiration to shave. Okay, so back to the move. I called the mover and I negotiated his price for last-minute packing in case it came to that and decided it was just altogether the best plan in the world for me to be gone. But (laughs) I would give anything to be a fly on the wall 12 hours before the mover showed up at 8 a.m. in the morning, which was right about the time I was going on my last watch somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean off the coast of Bermuda. As it turns out, that moment was beautiful. A peaceful morning sunrise on a perfect day. The sun was already coaxing our jackets off as we smelled land for the first time in eight days. And then as soon as I was within cell range, my phone blew up. Mostly friends and coworkers wondering if I had made it, the mover, my husband, and my kids who at some point figured out I was going through the Bermuda Triangle and couldn't understand why I wouldn't return their texts. Why is it that millennials can't grasp the concept that there are still places on this earth where there's no Wi-Fi? They smugly responded and said, good job, mom, with the level of verb that accompanies acknowledging someone's efforts when they remember to take out the trash. My kids are impossible to impress. At the immigration office at the dock, I got my first arrive by sea stamp in my passport. I went straight from there and checked into the hotel on the hill there in St. George's. I took a Benadryl and I crashed for the next 12 hours with the deepest night's sleep I had in months. Oddly, 
the offshore sale was restful compared to the weeks and months preparing the house, downsizing, and packing for the move. As physically stressful as it was sailing upwind, beating for days, being in a lightning storm, and doing four-hour wash schedules, it was easier than the weeks leading up to it. I spent the next day alone exploring Bermuda for the brief time I had until my flight left in the afternoon. I got a cab and asked the driver for a narrated tour. He ended it by dropping me at the famous Horseshoe Bay, or the Pink Beach as it's called. I was alone, with nothing to do but be in the moment and stare at one of the most beautiful beaches in the world, with the coolest hue of blue you have ever seen. It was then I remembered it was Mother's Day. I'd completely forgotten about it, and I was suddenly filled with immeasurable joy and gratitude. As stressed as I had been about this transition, I was also incredibly grateful to have these kinds of problems. The situation with my daughter wasn't completely solved yet. It's a process. But I was so grateful to have such incredible kids and family and my sister and my mother that are all healthy and happy and safe. As crazy as my husband made me in his last minute wise ideas, I was grateful he thought of it and grateful he made it happen. And honestly, grateful he's in my life. He's a loving man with a kind heart and a hot body, and I don't have any idea what he sees in me sometimes. As heartbreaking as it was to say goodbye to my home, it wasn't the most emotionally difficult thing I'd ever done. I had gone through many things much harder, and I will probably go through more hard things. But when you're in the middle of it, it just feels really big. And this is the power of the ocean. It gives you perspective. It puts you in your place. So this was the lesson I took from that. The moment of serenity and intense joy I felt on the beach, which was preceded by the best night's sleep I'd had in honestly six months, made everything up to that point worth it. I had a deeper appreciation for the saying, you have to earn the view. If you want something wonderful, sometimes you have to walk through suffering and hardship, real or invented in your head which is a whole new meaning when it comes to where I am in my life now. What made that time alone on the beach so incredibly wonderful wasn't really because it was a wonderful beach. It was because all the hard, crazy, and stressful moments that led to me getting there created a beautiful contrast. So when I was able to be fully in the present, in that moment, it was a glorious gift. The transition is hard. Sailing and living aboard is going to be hard but it's the low points that define what the high points are. So you can't have one without the other. What's happening in your life right now where you are experiencing contrast or earning your view? Join the conversation on the Covert Castaway Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another covert castaway. Fair winds for now.